1: This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk.
0: Welcome back to the Rusk Report. Back by popular demand, we have a very famous author with us. We spoke before a year ago about his book, Capote's Women, a true story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an era. Also the coming out now is Hitchcock's Blondes, and that will be coming out uh, shortly, and maybe a movie also. To tell you a little bit about Lawrence Lemer. He was born in 41. He's an American author and journalist. Lawrence Lehmer is a former Ford Fellow in International Development at the University of Oregon and a former international fellow at Columbia University. He is regarded as an expert on the Kennedy family, and I saw his production rose when it was done in Florida. He has appeared in numerous media outlets discussing American politics. Lawrence Lemer has also written best-selling biographies of other Americans, including Johnny Carson, The Reagan Family, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. We welcome him back on the *Rusk Report. On the bet 1520, as we blanket 17 states and half of Canada. Let's first uh, talk about the new book, Hitchcock's Blondes, the unforgettable women behind the legendary director's dark obsession. Let's talk about the dazzling actresses he cast in his legendary movies at the center of the story. Tell us about that,
2: Lawrence Lehmer. Yeah, well, he was obsessed with blondes, he just uh, he thought blondes were the ultimate want women, so he cast them, and, and, the, and the, uh, the book tells the story of a number of them, Ingrid Bergman, Grace Kelly, Kim Novak, uh, Janet, Janet Leigh, uh, Tippi Hedren, uh, a whole bunch of actresses, and, and, and Hitchcock's relationship with them, and it's coming out October 10th. Okay, now there's talk
0: about this being potentially a uh, television... Yeah, there's
2: more than talk. uh, We should know fairly soon. Okay, very good.
0: Now, let's talk about why he was so interested in blonde actresses. Was this part of his childhood or upbringing? What fascinated him with blonde
2: actresses? Well, first, first of all, he had a troubled relationship with his mother. She was a very strong dominant woman, and every night he'd have to go and stand beneath her bed, and he was a Catholic boy, and he couldn't, he couldn't think badly of a mother, I mean, he just didn't do that, although he truly did feel badly about his mother, and once his mother died, he started having these these women in his films, these mothers, they were just monsters, but not until, so that, that spilled over into his attitude toward women, he he did not have sex for the first time until until he was in his 20s, and he had only a short time with his, with his wife. and uh, But he's obsessed, just because you don't have sex doesn't mean you're not obsessed with it. So he was obsessed with that. And these actresses, he would just sort of look at them and get around them and say, say very vulgar things to them.
0: It sounds like he had a bit of a wild side in his behavior that was very different from his public persona, which seemed to be very reserved.
2: Well, and but the only thing that saved him were his movies because he controlled things. He was very controlling. as long as he was making a movie, he was fine.
0: Very good. Let's talk a, a little bit more about the troubled and talented director's career. Let's talk about the career of the famous uh, director Alfred Hitchcock, Lawrence Lemer.
2: Well, he's arguably the greatest director of the 20th century. He, he, on the best, the, the best movie list, most most of them list three or four of his films more than anybody else. He made films for half a century. Imagine half a century. He started making silent films. He made black and white films, and then he made colored films. He was a success in television with Alfred Hitchcock Presents. There's nobody his equal. Very good. Uh, let's talk about some of the
0: stars who have uh, been in his productions. June Howard Tripp, Madeline Carroll, Ingrid Bergman, Grayley, Janet Leigh, Kim Novak.
2: How did he choose these stars to be in his productions? What was special? He wanted them to have this this incredibly inviting look. And he liked women who were not overly sexual. He thought that he liked to, his, 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 his idea was that these women, you just Touch them and they become sexual, but they didn't dress sexually. He didn't. He didn't like a Marilyn Monroe or Lana Turner, someone like this at all. Oh
0: hello, can Let, I just pick up it? it right? Stuff over here. Yeah. Okay. Let's um, uh, talk a little bit about the truths of his art, his obsessions, his desi- his desires.
2: Alfred Hitchcock. Well, he turned that into great art. He didn't. Uh, he, he wasn't pretentious about his art. He was really modest about it. He was making commercial films. But some of these films are immortal. Look at Psycho, for instance. Psycho, his his Universal Studio wouldn't back it. They thought it was just a kind of a, a drive-in movie, a kind of a, a blood and guts, something they didn't want to do with it. And he took it and made, made it for l- very little money with his movie crew, crew and uh, turned it into a masterpiece. For well, those Who have just
0: tuned in to the Rusk Report. You're listening to BET 1520, Blanketing 17 States and Much of Canada. If you're listening in Montreal, Buffalo, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, BET 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand, and we'd like to hear from you. I'd like to thank those who called regarding our recent guests, Socialite Gene Sharifoff, John Kotsmitides, the owner of United Refining Company, and Congressman Marcus Molinaro. We thank you. Keep those letters coming. A little bit more information about Lawrence Lemer. He has written a book about Donald Trump's historical resort, Mar-a-Lago. His most recent book, which we'll be talking about in a moment, Capote's *Women*, was a national bestseller. It is being made into an eight-part series starring Naomi Watts and directed by Gus Van Sant. Lemer was born in Chicago and later moved to upstate New York with his family, where he attended Vestal Central High School. He attended Antioch College, where he spent a year in France, studied and worked in a factory fascinating career and we urge all of our listeners to get a copy of capote's women and we're going to be talking about that right now let's talk a little bit about the uh, stories of the stylish and glorious glamorous women who trusted capote and he cultivated and then betrayed them. Tell us about that, Lawrence
2: Lemer. Well, first of all, one of the reasons the eight-part series, which will be on Hulu in, in February for eight weeks, is likely to be the biggest thing since The Crown is because that kind of elegant woman that is in this book is gone. And not only will, will the, the film be celebrated, but the fashion industry is going to weigh in and is, is creating all kind of unique clothing to, to replicate that era. So these women were all, uh, they all married for money. They're beautiful women, they married for money. And for the most part, they are unhappy. It's their story and their relationship with Truman Capote.
0: You know, I wanted to ask you um, a, a little bit uh, more about uh, Hitchcock, uh, if we can get back to that for a moment. Would you um, uh, consider him to be a uh, genius in his
2: work as a director? No question. I mean, that he could do this for 50 years. He made, uh, you know, he, 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 one of his silent films, The Lodger, you can just watch that now with immense play. Palet- it's just brilliant. The, his, the camera angles, the subtlety of it. I mean, I, I quote uh, uh, Scorsese. Ron in, Scorsese in, in the book. Scorsese said as a kid, he just go into the movie theaters and watch these films over and over again. And he learned, he, long, he long so, learned so much. He said one scene in Raging Bull was just taken directly from a Hitchcock film.
0: Very good. So we're going to be expecting to see film, television uh, coming up regarding Hitchcock.
2: Hitchcock's yes. Blogs. Yes, you can expect that. Yes.
0: And that will be distributed worldwide. Yes, probably almost certainly. Okay. Uh, getting back to Capote's uh, Women, and again for our listeners, the name of the book is Capote's Women: A True Story of Love, Betrayal, and a Swan Song for an Era. This is available worldwide, as we have listeners uh, writing to us from Scandinavia and New Zealand. Let's talk about the
2: term swans. How did you uh, come up with that? Well, I didn't come up with it. Truman came up with it. He called these women his swans, these beautiful women that were apart from everyone else, and uh, he chose them carefully. It wasn't enough just to be beautiful. You had to have a certain aura. You had to dress a certain way. Every single one of these women had that. They would walk into a room, and, every, and everybody would turn and look at them.
0: Now, another thing is uh, the discussion of women finding both friendship and frustration with uh, Truman Capote. How could they have two completely uh, different attitudes towards uh, Truman Capote? Well, first of all,
2: their husbands had no problem with him spending time with their, with their wives because he was gay, and nothing was going to happen. And uh, he was a very charming man, a very amusing man, and he was always the life of the party. Alas, he had to be the life of the party, that's why he was invited, to do, to do his little dance and song, and that's what he did, and that's what he did with these women. But he would betray them. He'd turn on one, he'd all gossip about that one, he'd be with the next, and he'd gossip about her. But well, he was kind of mean-spirited in many ways.
0: Betrayal. Uh, now, after he betrayed these women, did these relationships end? Well, or he,
2: how how he finally b- betrayed them was he was writing this novel, Answered Prayers, uh-huh. which was going to be based on these women and, and their answered prayers. I mean, uh, their answered prayers. You, you you know, quote a famous quote upon Answered Prayers: uh, the the ending is not happy, and it wasn't with these women. They had everything, they had all this money, the incredible estates, and they they had these dreadful marriages, and they, and, and they weren't happy. So he was going to write a novel called Answered Prayers, and it was going to be one of the, the greatest novels of the 20th century. He boasted about that. He was working on it for years, but he simply couldn't do it. And finally, in 1966, he agreed to in, in Esquire to have an excerpt in it, and in it was, at, it was called La Cote Basque. It was at luncheon at this famous Manhattan restaurant. And he just savaged these women in it. He just made fun of them and mocked them. And he, and he told his, his authorized biographer, who said he didn't think this was a good idea, they're too stupid. They won't care. Well, they weren't stupid at all. And they would have nothing to do with them after that. And he became socially isolated. Uh, is that how uh, he ended his life, being isolated and alone? He went, his one friend, one of the few friends who remained was Joanne Carson, uh, the, the, the ex-wife of Johnny Carson, and she was a friend of mine. And uh, she, Truman would always, when he was drunk or in, uh, spaced out or, or on drugs, he'd, he'd fly out to her home on, in Bel Air on sun, up Sunset Boulevard, and uh, one, one evening he died in her arms. And uh, she took his ashes and gave half the ashes to his lover and kept the others. Hmm. Unusual.
0: A book reporter wrote, What Capote's Women Captures is how these myriad and multilayered friendships came about and nourished him for so long until his inner demons proved too damning for all but a few of his faithful. Let's talk a little bit about the inner demons of Truman Capote.
2: Well, he couldn't he couldn't be a true friend because he had this sense of superiority. He had to put everybody down. Now, you've been
0: um, writing a lot about the Kennedys. I was lucky years ago to get to know Rose Kennedy. I would sit with her in church and escort her to the Albert Einstein College of Medicine dinner dance uh, decades ago. Uh I found her to be a lovely woman and I'm just wondering why you were so fascinated
2: with the Kennedys and their dynasty. Well, first place, uh I I, I... My first election, I mean, I'm 81 years old, first time I ever voted, I voted for Kennedy. I was an anti-ecologian, it's this work-study program. I wanted to be in Washington to see what was going on. So I got a job uh, in Washington the first three months of the Kennedy administration. I stood on Pennsylvania Avenue as Kennedy and Mr. Mr. President and Mrs. Kennedy came came up Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, like everybody else, I was devastated at his death, and I joined the Peace Corps. After graduating, which many people think is, it was his greatest institutional achievement. Now,
0: another uh, item of, of interest is that with this uh, book uh, with Truman Capote about the Swans, uh, he had relationships with some of the most admired women of the 50s and 60s. How did he get to know them? How did he cultivate these relationships? Because later, it seemed that they sort of ended those relationships.
2: But each one led to another. I mean, he would go to these fancy parties and meet them, and he he just knew how to ingratiate himself.
0: This was a, a love affair he had with beauty,
2: wealth, and privilege, Truman Capote, with these glamorous women. Exactly. He was a poor gay child whose mother left him and went to New York. He came to New York as a teenager. His mother was appalled that he was gay, and he he struggled. He never went to college. Self-educated. Absolutely brilliant.
0: For those who just tuned in to the Rusk Report, we're learning a great deal from noted author Lawrence Lemer, backed by popular demand on the Rusk Report. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Toronto, or Manhattan, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York. 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. A little plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions and the Ampo Legal Newspaper has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampo Legal. The Ampo Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores for home delivery. Call 716 835 9454. That's 716 835 9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. So you're
2: doing research still on Hitchcock at this time? No, my book is coming out in October. It's all finished, ready to go. I'm working on my new book. Okay, what is that going to be? Basically, this is a trilogy about creative geniuses and their relationship to fascinating women. And the third one is Warhol's Muses, the women around Andy Warhol. Why do you like to
0: write about these interesting exotic... Uh, women, uh, what what interests you so much as an author, to on many of these books, if, if it's with Hitchcock or Truman Capote, well, I I I, I I
2: I think I write well about women. My first major hit, big, my big big hit of my whole life was the, the, the Kennedy women, which was the number two New York Times bestseller, and it's a five generational book, and uh, many readers said. They, they thought I had to be a woman to write that book, and actually others said, in fact, one nun told me I'm a Protestant, and she said you only a Catholic could write that book well i could I could pretend I'm a Catholic in the pages, I understood Catholicism, and I understood women to some in some measure
0: in your play, Rose, you seem to give uh, present an image of Rose as being a bright gifted Intelligent woman, a caring woman. It was a
2: positive portrayal of Rose Kennedy. Yeah, I think I think she was uh, kind of slandered in some of these portrayals of hers. She was just just, a a neuter. She was nobody. She she was an intense woman that was very well educated and, and understanding of what was going on around her. Well, let's look at the other
0: half of her life, and that was Joe Kennedy. His reputation wasn't that good as a bootlegger. Uh, also, I've r- read different stories that uh, he did not tell Rose about the lobotomy of their
2: daughter. Right. So. Well, okay, let's talk. About let's, both talk of about them. The let's talk about. Let's talk about both those things, th- 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 please. Okay, was he bootlegger? He didn't drive into Boston with a, a truckload of liquor. He, what he did, he had connections, uh, in, because his father was the wholesale liquor dealer in Boston. His father was a successful man. So he could, he could have it on the shores of Canada, that's where he would sell it, and, and the you know, quote unquote criminals would take it over the Great Lake and bring it, bring it in, uh, as far as the lobotomy. I mean, I, I'm, we're, we're doing this interview in Palm Beach, Yes, sir. and I've seen so often the rich have lousy doctors, because the, the rich have doctors that pander to them, the rich have doctors that will do anything for them they won't do for you and I, okay? And Joe Kennedy had this very troubled daughter, she, they, they, she, was, she was mildly intellectually disabled, and she was in this home in Washington, she was sneaking out, and he was worried that she would get pregnant or disease and bring, you know, bad, sh- bring shame onto the family. Yes. So he'd heard about this operation called lobotomy. Only 500, at that point, only 500 have done in the whole world. It was the cutting edge of medicine. And so he got this doctor to do it for him. He, didn't, he shouldn't have done it, but he didn't mean, didn't mean to do her harm. That was a rich man's medicine. But
0: ultimately, I understand that she had some talents in mathematics and some studies, and it turned her into sort of a vegetable, didn't no, it?
2: No, I would say with the, with the mental edge of three or four-year-olds. Well, so it really was a, a tragic outcome. No, it definitely was. And Rose didn't see her for many years didn't see her until after Joe died. Sounds and I went there. You went to the home um, where Wisconsin. Rosemary lived? Yes. Miss, Mrs. Missus Shriver, who I became friendly with, her, said you can go. There. The agreement was you're not to see her. You can go there and visit and talk to the nuns and I, you can't see her. I, I could have cheated so easily. I just, it was just, I knew where I could go to see her, but that was my promise. And if a, and if a journalist doesn't have his integrity and tells the truth, it's just not any good, okay. So when I saw how she was treated, the little house she lived in, the nuns who took care of her, mm-hmm. and they talked about her, but I didn't see her. Um, you still look upon
0: President Kennedy's legacy in a positive, uh, and uh, a, a good legacy
2: for well, we America don't know.
0: historically.
2: We don't know how bad a president he would be if if Ronald Reagan had died three years into his term. Inflation was terrible he would probably consider it a disaster. FDR, if he died after three years, the new deal was ha- hardly starting. He would consider considered a failure. So we just don't know.
0: Very good. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rust Report to a close. We've learned a great deal from famous author Lawrence Leamer. And again, we urge all of our listeners to go out and get the book. The book that we've talked about on the recent interviews is Capote's Women a true story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an era. The new book is coming out in October, Hitchcock's Blondes. We talked quite a bit about this. He's a very gifted writer. We urge all of our learners to get a copy of one of his books. Thank you for enlightening us, and special thanks also to Kevin Carr, our director of production.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Have a great week.
1: You've been listening to the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?